I'm so pumped to jump into the Word of God this morning. My name's Andrew. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Ethos. And if you missed last week, Brandon uh, kicked off a series that we're going to be in this summer. And the series of teachings is actually built off of responses from you all. So we asked you over the course of a couple of weeks to answer two different questions. And the questions were built off of reflecting over this past year and a half. So we asked you, as you reflect over the past year and a half, hey, where were you spiritually stronger than maybe you expected? And where were you spiritually maybe weaker than you realized? Um, And so you all, man, thanks for your responses. It was really insightful. We were really grateful to be able to just hear from you all. It was an anonymous survey. So you all kind of gave us kind of what's happened in your hearts and in your lives over the past year. And so we've built this series off of your responses. And a couple of months into the pandemic, I, you know, I don't know if people are asking you, like, how are you doing? Like, what's, what's God teaching you? What are you learning? And I was getting this question a lot. And what I found was God actually kind of gave me an image. He gave me a picture um, to help me realize what was happening internally. And so it was the picture, it was this word image of a crucible. And so obviously things were turned on their head, like this, this life that we knew it, like normalcy was just flipped upside down. And what I found was there were these things that were just rising to the surface within me that I didn't really know were, were there. And so you had the, the normalcy of lies flipped upside down. And what I found was like, there was these things bubbling up inside of me, like pride, like pride that I didn't know existed. I was like, where is this coming from? Anger, I was like, wow, I, I I thought I had like a control on my temper, but man, the the pressure of this past year like had me realizing, oh, there are places of anger within me, not a righteous anger, unfortunately, like a a sinful anger that were rearing its head. And I saw just this like really quick judgmental attitude come out of me. And I was like, what is going on? And so this image that I kept sharing with people was this image of a crucible. And if you aren't familiar with what a crucible is, It's essentially the pot or the kettle or the thing that holds silver when it's purified. And so a crucible, uh, it holds the silver and what happens is you heat it up to really high temperatures. So you heat the crucible up to really high temperatures with the silver in it. And what ends up happening is all the impurities that were within the silver kind of rise to the top. They rise to the surface. And so you take this heat, you take this pressure, it rises to the surface, and what you do is you scrape off the impurities off the top. And what you end up with is a more beautiful and more purified product. And as I step back, as we kind of, as Brandon and I stepped back and we looked at this year and a half, and honestly, I think it's still happening in a lot of ways. We said, okay, is there an opportunity here for God to do something? Like, is there an opportunity within the difficulty of this past year for God to do something individually? But is there also an opportunity for God to do something communally? Like as his people, as the body of Christ, as his church, is there an opportunity on the table for God to use the crucible of this last year? And in many ways, this is the heart of this series that we're in. This is the heart of the series. Let's not miss the opportunity we have to learn and grow. Let's not miss the opportunity we have, I believe, to be shaped by, to be formed by, to be purified by God. So 
I'm imagining it's not just me. Like there was something in you you saw over this past year. It kind of rose to the surface because of just the circumstances of this crucible. And you're like, I don't, I don't really like this. Like there's a part of me that hasn't yet fully been given over to God. And I've come to realize just to think and praise God for those moments. I don't know about you, but it took me a while to get here. And I'm like, God, thank you for revealing this. Like, but here's, here's the thing about the heart of God, the character of God is he wants to heal you. Like he wants to strengthen you. He doesn't just bring things into the light to condemn you or to shame you. It's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, he says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Did you hear that? So everything that was illuminated then becomes light. And he goes on to say, he says, but be careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise. And this is how he describes wisdom in this moment. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. So God in his grace, in a year like we had, he, he exposes things. He brings things into the light. Not to shame us, not to discourage us, but he wants to bring those areas into the light and make them light as well. And so last week we talked about um, just how the crucible of this past year really affected community, revealed a number of things about the community we had, or maybe it revealed um, a, a lack of community. Maybe you realize, and you're sitting here this morning, you're like, the past year and a half made me realize I need to sow into community. I need people around me. Brandon, he, he kind of took us to the, to the root of our community as followers of Jesus. He reminded us of, of the calling that we have, that we're all called by Christ. This communal leader we have, Jesus himself, and this cause that we have. And he, he said, I wanna, I wanna invite you to do two things in this season. He says, I want you to show up and I want you to open up. I want you to show up and I want you to open up. If you missed last week, I invite you to go and listen to that. And so you all shared with us, like community was a weakness. It was, it was difficult. It was hard. This week, we're going to focus on priorities and attention. Priorities and attention. And really, I should just say priority. Singular. Priority. Our priority number one is followers of Jesus. The thing that we should have above all other things, and that is seeking God. That is seeking first his kingdom. Seeking his face above all other things. Because here's the reality is, unless this is priority number one, nothing else is gonna work. Like, unless this is priority number one, like all the other priorities are gonna crumble and fall. And so seek God first in everything we do with every part of who we are. Now, this is hard, right? This is difficult. And I, I wanna ask you, okay, like right now, if you were to step back, if you were to just kind of look at your life and kind of examine your priorities, from an unbiased perspective, say, okay, like what, what are my priorities right now in this season, in this moment? What are my priorities after this past year? If you were to take an attention audit, um, like what's, what's grabbing your attention in this season? What's, what's capturing your maybe extra time you have? So when, when you have a moment space, margin in your day? What is it you think about? 
Like, what is it that you pick up? What is it you gravitate towards? The moms in the room are like, space, margin, what is, what is this you speak of? Do you have any space, do you have any margin in your day at all? It's another question. So if you were to just like list, okay, based upon how I'm living, these are my priorities, what would it be? Now, if you're feeling any sort of like condemnation right now, I just wanna silence that voice. Like, if you're, if you're thinking, all oh, right, like I'm gonna walk out of here with my head hanging low today, like I'm not, I'm not seeking God first, like there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation here. Now, conviction is another thing. Con- conviction's good. Conviction, on the other hand, is different. So here's the reality. Condemnation, what it does is it sends you into hiding. It's full of shame. Conviction, what it does is it brings you into the light so that you can repent, so that you can find freedom. Because ultimately, that's what Jesus wants for us, freedom and life to the full. So if you're feeling any sort of condemnation, you're like wanting to just like heap shame on you, like, no, not today, Satan. Not here, not in this place. But conviction, like, we, we want that God because we want the life that you have for us. And so the reason that we're talking about this today The reason as we read your surveys, we brought this up is because God, he is so much better than words can describe. He is so much better than words can describe. Jesus, like there is nothing and no one better than Jesus Christ. There is nothing like his presence. There is nothing like like a touch, like an encounter with, with the risen Savior. It's beautiful, it's fulfilling. It is what we are made for. And my hope this morning is like, we just look to God, like we put him on display and we become a church, we become a people who utter the words of Psalm 27. One thing I ask of the Lord, like one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. May that be our cry. May that be our prayer. May that be our mantra as as the people of God. That's my hope. That's my dream. Like, that's my prayer for us. As we were reading through the surveys, we, we saw this theme of priorities, this theme of like attention pop up in a number of different ways. So, some of you, like your, your normal rhythms were shaken. They were uprooted. And what you found is was, this was actually an opportunity for you to kind of re-examine your priorities, kind of realign your priorities with God's priorities. But as the year waned on, you kind of lost sight of what God had done. For some of you, you know, you, you distanced yourself from God. You drifted farther from God. You, kind of, you sought him less and less as the isolation took its toll. Others of you mentioned, man, just the confusion of all the cultural narratives that were taking place this past year and how you began to value maybe an ideology over God himself or how you weren't really sure what to place value on at all after this year. And so we've gone through this year that has much served like a crucible, right? And I'm kind of asking the question, okay, this year and a half has happened, like, Will we make the most of this opportunity? Will we learn? 
Like, will we learn the things that God has been teaching us? And I've wondered, and the question I'm kind of feeling and asking myself is, as we come out of the fog that is 2020, as we come out of the cloud that is 2020, like as we're stepping back into just kind of like normal life, man, are we being lured back into just the gravitational pull of some of those things that maybe we put in its proper place over this past year? Because everything as we knew it, like it was stripped away. And in many ways, like the reset button was hit. The reset button has been hit on our hearts, on our lives, on our world. And it's like, okay, are we listening? Like, are our ears still attentive? God, what are you revealing? What are you saying? What are you doing? What, how, how do you want to strengthen the places where maybe we realize we were weak? It's interesting. You think back to 1918, the Spanish flu. And the decade after that, what happened? The Roaring Twenties. And I, I don't think those are a coincidence. You, you, had, you had this moment and you see kind of people's gravitational pull right after a really shaking moment. And I'm looking and I'm like, okay, on a massive global scale, we realize that, hey, life cannot be taken for granted. On a massive global scale, like never before in our time. And, and I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, are we gonna turn to God with wholehearted devotion to seek him first above all other things? Or will we look to the world to satisfy all the places we feel as though we've been deprived over this past year? You see, there's an interesting thing happening right now, like travel is shooting through the roof. Hear me out, like vacation is not bad. It's actually a really good thing, but I'm kind of like, thinking about the root of, of what's happening. Like try and book a rental car, try and find an Airbnb. It's really, really hard right now. So like travel's going through the roof. Once again, it's actually really good. Like God-given rest is, is a good thing. But I'm wondering if, are people thinking like, oh, I'm gonna find the thing that just satisfies my, my soul by, by, this, by this trip, by this excursion, the thing that I've been deprived of for this past year? Just questions I'm asking. I'm, I'm not... I don't have all the answers. You know, construction numbers went through the roof. Like this past year is crazy. Like try and find a plumber to like unclog your, your sink. And it's like, yeah, I can be there next month. Like that literally happened to us this week. He's like, August, I'm like, we really need a plumber here now. Like, can you help me out? And, and I'm wondering, okay, was that, was that kitchen renovation? Was that bathroom renovation? The answer, like to all the pain and difficulty, once again, not bad in and of itself. Not bad in and of itself. But is those the things that you're turning to for satisfaction on a soul level? See, here's the pattern of humanity from the very beginning. When we, when we look at seeking God first, when God's people are seeking him above all other things, things are good. Keila's reading through the Old Testament right now and she's like sharing with me all the things that she's learning. Like when you seek God and you put him first, like things are good. Maybe not by circumstance, but things are good. When you seek other things above him, things are bad. It just doesn't work. It's not how he designed it. And so this morning, like the thing that's on my heart, the thing that I've been like just dying to get up here and say is like, will we as a community, will we as a people, both individually 
and us as a body, will we seek God first above all else? Would we hunger for him? Would we thirst for him? Would we long for God and his kingdom above all else? And will we do the things that increase our appetite for eternity? Are we increasing our appetite for the very thing that we were made for? So this morning, here's how I wanna break it down for us. I wanna talk about the call and the invitation to seek God. The call and the invitation to seek God. Number two, I wanna talk about some of the barriers. Not all the barriers, just some of the barriers to us seeking God first. And then I wanna talk about just some very practical ways. That's how I'm gonna land the plane. Practical ways for us as a community and as individuals to seek God first. So let's begin this call, this invitation to, to seek God. Man, it's in scripture everywhere. Old Testament, New Testament, beginning to end, like this is the invitation to know God, to walk with God, to seek God, to live with God, to know him on a level like we know a friend. Beginning to end of scripture, like this is the invitation. First Chronicles 16, 11. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. First Chronicles twenty two nineteen. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Interesting little clause there, right? When, when you seek me with all of your heart. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. What an incredible invitation. Like think about that, what an incredible calling to seek God, the very one that you were made by, the very one I was made by, invites us to seek him and to know him and to walk with him. But here's what I love about scripture. It's, it's not just this call. It's not just this command. It's not just this invitation. Scripture tells us it's a promise. Jesus, he says, hey, if you seek me, you will find me. Incredible. James Chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. Don't you just wanna like put your finger on that verse and say like, yes, Lord, I want that. Like I wanna I want draw near to you because I know that you will draw near to me. Like it's a promise of scripture. Like thank you, heavenly father, for being the kind of God that's not distant, that's not far, that's not careless, but for being the kind of God that draws near. Thank you that we can be partakers in his divine nature. Do you realize that's on the table? Do you realize that's what we're made for? Do you hunger for it? Do you thirst for it? Are you seeking it? It's where we are headed forever and eternity. In his presence, in his glory forever and ever and ever. St. Augustine was right all the way back in the third century. I, I came across this quote this week. 
He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find you. I don't know about you, but I really relate to the last part of that statement, like a restless heart, which kind of takes us to the second part of our morning, the, the, the barriers to seeking God, to seeking him first. So we've talked about the call and the invitation, the very thing that we are made for to seek God. And I, I wanna spend a decent amount of time on, on number two, some of these barriers. The first barrier, and, and these aren't in any significance of order, like this is not like the most important one, last one's not the least important one, but the first one is just the gravitational pull of worldly things. The gravitational pull of worldly things. You're thinking, Andrew, you gonna go here? Hey, I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go here this morning. Earlier this summer, uh, Keela and I and our family had the opportunity of getting to go to the lake with some family friends. Such a blast. Just their hospitality was incredible. Got to ride on the boat, got to drive the sea all over the lake and, you know, had so much fun. And then this thing started happening on our drive home and in the days that followed. I found myself just like thinking like, man, that sea was awesome. Like, I, I would really love one of those. And as amazing, I was like hopping on the internet, looking up prices, just lusting after the experience. I was like, oh man, how awesome would it be to have one of my own? I could go to the lake anytime I wanted. And ultimately, like, I, it was rooted in envy. Like, it was just this restless heart. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing inherently wrong with the sea -doo. Like, some of you own the sea and I want to be friends with you. <laughs> like, it's a neutral object. It's a neutral object. But what was concerning, and, and when my, like, antennas were going off by what was happening in my heart, when I found myself thinking, oh, like this, this is, this is going to satisfy. I could stand up here all day and just name thing after thing. All the places where the gravitational pull of the world just tugs on me. I'll give you another one just to be vulnerable. So back in 2014, we had just an amazing blessing to be able to buy a home um, because of the help of kindness of family. We were able to purchase it. We were so grateful, like so thankful. Something we didn't think we were going to be able to do for a very, very long time. Do you know how long it took me to start thinking about a bigger house, a bigger yard, a nicer this, a nicer that? It, it was not long at all. If you like looked at my like Zillow and Redfin history, you would have thought like, this, this dude's a realtor. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's a realtor. no. I was just like longing after that next best thing. Now, these may not resonate with you, but if I had to guess, there is probably something in this realm that resonates. I mean, just think about how much time we spend worrying about it, seeking after that, possessions, wealth. It's a lot. It makes sense why Jesus said so much about it. It makes sense. He knew. He made us. He formed us. He knew this barrier was going to get in the way of the very thing that we are made for. Here are some of the things that Jesus had to say about it. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. 
Mm. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. He goes on, he says, don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food? Is your body not more than clothes? Seek first the kingdom. He goes on, he says, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for things, it'll come in, it'll choke the word out, and it'll make you unfruitful. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Ooh, I'll be honest. Like, I still wrestle with this. There are moments, there are seasons in my life where my mind and my heart like align with Jesus's teaching on, on, on wealth and money. And there are other times when it really bothers me and I don't understand it at all. It's really hard. But here's the thing, it's not just worldly possessions that have this gravitational pull. There are other aspects to this gravitational pull of our world. I mean, especially living in a city like Nashville, this urban city like Nashville where a lot of people are moving towards, a lot of people are coming with, with a, lot of, a lot of good dreams in their hearts. But we have to be careful because there's this tendency, there's this spirit of the air for, for notoriety, for fame, for a following, for achievement, for that next promotion, to, to, to climb that ladder. What, what about the gravitational pull of just all the worldly vices that we have? I feel it. Something that was just on my mind, on my heart this week as I was preparing was just the gravitational pull of something like alcohol. How it can be a place that we turn to for satisfaction, for escape, something we turn to often, which is ill-placed motivations. Like if you're ever tired, if you're ever weary, just like a glass of red wine and a show to binge on Netflix just seem like the thing that's just gonna like let you turn your, your brain off. I mean, not me. You, right? But ultimately, like, thing after thing after thing, it never fills. It never ultimately satisfies. So number one barrier, the gravitational pull of the world. Number two, second barrier to seeking God first is digital distraction. Digital distraction. About three years ago, I just sensed, man, there was something off in, in my walk with God. There was just something off in my faith. And I couldn't put it fully into words, but Honestly, just my soul, it felt parched. I was not experiencing the deep life with God that, that I knew was available for me. I was not experiencing the deep life with God that I was preaching and speaking about. And I looked at a lot of things under the hood of my heart. But one of the things that I discovered was I had become so distracted and tied to technology in ways that I never had been before in my life between my phone, which was on me all the time, between the radio that was on, if my phone wasn't playing something, between the endless shows that I just had to watch because it's the next great thing, between the next podcast that I had to listen to, what was happening was I was just so distracted by all the noise that was coming in that my, my life felt about a mile wide and an inch deep. 
And this was before a global pandemic hit and sent us online for everything for an entire year. And I'm really convinced this, this past year and a half, it has just exponentially spread the epidemic of digital distraction. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I don't think we realize how much it's affecting our spiritual formation. I don't think we realize all the ways that it's affecting our walk with God. Our ability to live into this number one priority of seeking him first above all else. John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he cites a survey from Microsoft. 77% of young adults answered yes when asked this question. When nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I reach for is my phone. I mean, not me, you, right? He goes on to say, and I quote, all of this has profound implications for our apprenticeship to Jesus and our experiences or lack of experiences of the life that he has to offer. How so? Simple. The new normal of hurried digital distraction is robbing us of the ability to be present, present to God, present to other people, present to all that is good beautiful and true in our world, even present to our own souls. That's what I was feeling. Author, Catholic priest, and social critic writes, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. I feel it. I wrestle with it all the time. And I'm wondering, okay, is the noise of our modern world and the constant barrage of just digital distraction making us deaf to the voice of God, creating a barrier to the number one priority of us seeking his face, drowning out the very one input that we need, the voice that we need most. This is more than just, hey, like, don't be on social media too much. Like, digital distraction is affecting us on a deep, deep level. Now, third barrier I want to talk about, I want to talk about it real quick. So number one, the gravitational pull of our world. Number two, digital distraction. Number three, a self-centered culture. I'm going to hit this just real fast. On top of our human nature to be selfish, everyone and everything around us is, is telling us to think about ourselves. Think about our desires, you are, the number, you are the number one priority according to the cultural narrative. Whatever you think, whatever you want, whatever you feel, whatever you desire. And when we are so self-consumed with our own self, it's really hard to think about others, much less God. Once again, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself right here. I asked our staff this week, I just said, hey, what are the things that keep you from seeking God? Like, what are the barriers this is one of the response I got. It said, anytime I get too focused on me, my schedule, my stress, my worry, my work, my tasks, my problems, I stop focusing on him. It then feels like it's too much to bear. But when I focus on Christ and his offer to carry my burdens, I walk with joy and peace instead. I could unpack this more, but for the sake of time, I won't. If I had to guess, you, you understand what I'm talking about here. So let's just zoom back out for a moment, track where we've been. This week, 
based upon just what you shared, kind of struggles, weaknesses over this past year. We looked at priorities and attention. And within that, we looked at, number one, our call and our invitation to seek God, priority number one. We looked at just some of the barriers. There's more barriers, but these are just the barriers I felt like I was supposed to share this morning. And where I want us to land and where I want us to send us into this week is ways to just seek God, ways to be with God, ways to walk with God, ways to make this our number one priority. Now, I've named some of the barriers, but thankfully like, there are some practices, there are some things from the ways of Jesus that will allow us to break through these barriers and to live into our calling to seek God. Now, both of these that I'm gonna share are rooted in time and space, like time and space, giving God the time and the space to move and to draw near as you draw near to him. And the first one, it's gonna sound so obvious. It's gonna be really easy to ignore. You're gonna be like, really, Andrew? I was hoping for something different. But here's the thing. One of the easiest and most tangible ways to seek God is through reading, studying, and meditating on his word. Reading scripture, like being someone who, who is in the word, who is receiving the life that we have. You see, we take all of our cues from Jesus and Jesus himself, a Jewish rabbi, he studied the scriptures, he knew the scriptures, he meditated on the scriptures. He would go back to the word of God in times of trouble. He would go back to the word of God in times of joy. It was the place where he would turn to. It's actually the very thing that he quotes as he's on the cross in his final moments. He quotes a Psalm, Psalm 22. Like he, he knew God was found in his word. He knew that it was revelation, God's own words to us. It's it what reveals God who he is, why we're here, who we are. And if you aren't in the word regularly, if this is not something that's a part of your life, here's the cool thing. There are so many resources. There are so many tools that will help just get you into the word really easily. But if you're looking for a place to start, I wanna invite you to do one simple thing this week. One simple thing is to read a psalm a day. If you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Read one psalm a day and read one story from the gospels. Read one story about Jesus from the Gospels and one psalm a day. It's a great starting place. The second one, I mean, it's even more obvious than the first one. It's gonna be kind of easy to ignore, but I wanna unpack it a little bit more. Prayer. You're like, okay, I knew this. I knew this stuff already, but here's the thing. We can know something and not do it. We can know what's gonna bring us life and not do it. And so this week, I actually wanna invite you into a few very specific, tangible ways of seeking God and seeking his face first. And I'm just excited about thinking all of us doing this together this week. So I wanna invite you into 15 minutes of, of prayer and seeking God before you do anything else. Before you do anything else each day this week, I'm gonna invite you into 15 minutes of seeking God first. So before you pick up your phone, check your email, check your messages, check Instagram, like it's gonna be hard, but you can do it. Like put your phone away, get a Bible. And I want you to spend the first five minutes, I'm gonna break these 15 minutes down into five minute, five minute segments to make this really practical. 
Spend the first five minutes of your day this week in silence and in stillness. Start your day that way. Five minutes. Silence and stillness. It's, it's gonna be hard, I promise you. You're gonna be thinking like his five minutes passed about 30 seconds in, but it's gonna be good. First five minutes in silence and in stillness. And then I want you to open up the word. The next five minutes, I just wanna, I wanna invite you to just be in the word. Read a psalm. Read a story from the gospels. Read something that God's put on your heart. Spend five minutes just in the word this week. And then the last five minutes, I just wanna invite you to just prayerfully respond. Just prayerfully respond. You, you, can, you can say, oh, God, this, this didn't feel productive. Or you could say, God, I, I felt you speaking this to me in the silence. Is that you? God, this, this part of your word just really resonated with me. How can I live into that this week? Five minutes of silence, five minutes in the word, five minutes just prayerfully responding to whatever God did in that time. And here's the thing. This week, I, this, this discipline, it may not feel fruitful, but I promise if you keep giving God the space and the time and removing some of those barriers that get in the way, it will produce fruit in your life. There is life found there. I promise, I've tasted, I've experienced it. And I want us to wrestle just around communion. One of the things that we do each week is we turn to Jesus. We turn to him and we say, okay, Jesus, it's actually through you that we have access to the Father. Jesus, it's through you that we're able to seek the face of God. It's through you that we're actually able to walk with God, to hear from God, to know God. It's through him. And so each week we turn to Jesus, we take the bread, we take the cup and we say, Jesus, because of you, the abundant life is on the table for me. Because of you, Jesus, the abundant, fulfilling, satisfying life in God is on the table for me. And this week, as we do that together, I want us to wrestle with just a couple of questions in community. One, what's your number one barrier? What's your number one barrier to, to seeking God first above all other things? And then I want you to wrestle with the second question. I think it will help you discover maybe how you can maybe prioritize some of your time. How and where do you most easily connect with God? If I had to guess, you could probably think of something like, oh, it's it's in this place. It's in this way. And I just want to invite you to just live into that this week. So I'm going to pray for us. And then I want us to, in community, just process this together. Process these two questions. And then just turn to Jesus and ask him to work and move in our lives this week. Because I believe if we give God the space and the time, if we make him our number one priority, something beautiful is going to happen here. Something incredible is going to happen here. And it's, gonna, and it's gonna move out into the city. It's gonna move out into your neighbors. It's gonna move out into your neighborhoods. If we will allow him the time and the space that he needs to move and work in our hearts first. So let's pray. God, I thank you for just the, the promise. Man, I just come back to that promise that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I ask that by the power of your spirit, you will draw near to us in this moment. So Father, come in power and move in Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.